Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this special General Assembly edition of In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. This particular podcast is a little more time-stamped than the usual podcast, which could probably be played at any time. This one is coming the week after our 43rd General Assembly. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you are able to be at GA, much of this will sound familiar and probably put a smile on your face. If you weren't able to be there, hopefully this will give you the capacity to do a little recap of what God did during our several days together in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Um, But we're grateful that you're tuning in, whether you're part of the EPC or not. uh, We're just this little corner of God's kingdom um, that seeks to carry out the great commission of Jesus. And uh, we hope that you will come along with us in that equipping journey as we seek to follow the Savior. He said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He said, come uh, to me and you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus draws us to be, to be with him, but then he sends us out uh, to be like him. And this General Assembly had a great sense of, of gathering together, equipping the saints, and now we're in that place where we've been sent back to our communities you know, all across the globe to carry out the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. And with me today on this special edition is none other than our Chief Collaborative Officer and Assistant State Clerk, Michael Davis. Michael, great to have you debrief our General Assembly and do this together. I'm glad to be here. We had a wonderful General Assembly, deeply encouraged and was glad to see everybody. But back back to the business. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. We're back the week after the GA to debrief the GA uh, before I in particular take a little bit of time off (laughs) because I'm I'm ready for that. But as all of you know who listen in to In All Things, uh, we are a pretty low budget uh, operation here. Uh, So far, we have one official financial sponsor. Tom Ricks gave me a dollar that we have framed in our In All Things studio. Uh, It's one dollar. But for now, this uh, podcast is brought to you by the 43rd General Assembly. Uh, Sharpen was the theme from Ephesians 4 and verse 12, that we came together to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, building up the body. And we had preaching, and we had teaching, we had equipping, we had fellowship, we had worship, And it was a glorious time of being together as the EPC family of churches. For those of you who took the time to come, and we had really incredibly good response rate, pushing close to 1,000, I think it was around 960-ish in terms of all the people coming, if you include exhibitors, and, uh, and I think we had great exhibitors this year. We had 606 commissioners, 23% of those registered were pastors' spouses. Normal rate for us is between 13 and 18%. We were at 23%. And so that, we had a lot of pastor spouses there this year. And the staff at Cherry Hills Community Church did a spectacular job in hosting us. But we're going to dig into each one of those details in just a few seconds. And we're going to go through the whole assembly uh, and just kind of talk about what we saw God doing there. So, Michael, why don't we start with just your overall big impressions? 
Yeah, what I've seen is what we intended, honestly. A lot, I don't think a lot of people understand that we took a lot of time thinking about how we want everyone to be together. And seeing people in the same space at the same time, unlike under general assemblies where we kind of scattered. We were all in our, you know, somewhat our affinity groups. And this time we were doing business together, listening to the same plenary sessions together, um, and everything was in a sparse. And so when you look at it from a high level, even from the offside conversations, they were all intentional in terms of having people in the same space to be unified and actually to connect in ways that we haven't connected before. And so it was very encouraging from that aspect. Well, and I think the two things... One was intentional on our part, and one was maybe just God's gift to us that we observed, cooperated with that intentionality. The intentional part was, so for example, the plenary sessions, the four major plenaries for each of our four gospel priorities, Mm -hmm. we didn't have anything else going on Mm -hmm. during that time. So if it was about global movement or church planning or church health or effective biblical leadership— Everybody was in that room. Mm-hmm. If they weren't in that room, they were having fellowship time. Right outside. <laughs> right outside. <laughs> Eating donuts early or something. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, but there wasn't another competing That's right. event That's where right. you had kind of to pick and choose. So that was the intentional part. But I also think that, that Cherry Hill's facility, yeah. especially that atrium, it just coming right off the sanctuary, it put us all together. Mm-hmm. And so I think even when we were having fellowship, we were all kind of largely in the same space hanging yeah, out together. Absolutely. And I think that those conversations became natural because you can find yourself sitting in a coffee shop, sitting right there in the atrium, or even sitting, looking outside right out on the patio at the mountains, talking to someone. And I know that every conversation that I had, and even when I seen, were people having productive conversations, mm-hmm. whether that be new relationship, new connections, some younger people meeting other younger pastors or vice versa. Well, let me give you a practical example of that. You know that Brad Strait, former moderator and NLT chair, and I led a trip to Israel this last spring. And my wife spent, my wife Beth spent some time out on that patio with a number of the uh, pastor's spouses who went to Israel mm-hmm. and kind of a, a Israel reunion and sitting out on that patio, having coffee, looking at the Rockies, talking cool. about what God did in Israel. It was just a huge blessing for them. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the, every time I had a meeting in the morning, I actually, even though I was tired, I would have, I was scheduled a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning just so I could sit out there at the coffee shop and meet with someone, enjoy the time with them, but then enjoy the time from what we have from the scenery. So Cherry Hills, amazing uh, facilities, amazing view, deeply grateful for that time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's talk about some of the different elements. We had a whole new format this year. Do you want to explain to people a little bit the intentionality was behind the format change and why we did what we did? Yeah. The intentionality was to do exactly what we're trying to desire. And that's to be way more collaborative within our gospel priorities, putting those at the forefront of what we want to do, helping our churches, presbyteries, leaders, global workers, even those that are working uh, in children's nursery, youth ministry to see that the efforts in which we're trying to 
help mobilize people through world outreach, our global movement, church planting, church health, and effective biblical leadership is so that they can see that there's a concert of national directors and workers at the Office of General Assembly working together to better serve everyone else. And so what we focused on was those national directors will be leading, but then also our own people from the survey we received last year will be ones that are speaking, advocating for those gospel priorities that are not just aspirations, but things that we actually want to see. It was pretty much in-house talent. That's right. I mean, even what's interesting is that we had planned to lead off with church planning Mm -hmm. and we were going to have Michael Carrion come in, who's out of Redeemer Church in New York City, and not only has inherited Tim Keller's mantle of church planning leadership, but just one of the smartest, most brilliant church planning Mm -hmm. strategists out there. And we're super excited about have him kind of kick everything off. Well, then at the last minute, his wife hurts herself. She's Mm got to have emergency surgery. He's got to stay home and take care of the family. And uh, Tom Ricks and his team has to kind of like scramble at the last moment. Yeah. And first of all, I thought they hit it out of the park. I thought they did great. But I also think whether it was church planning and that kind of forced that, global movement, which had planned that, church health or EBL, what you saw was a a breadth of leadership. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, EBL wasn't just you. Mm-hmm. Like you're the person overseeing our effective biblical leadership, gospel priority, but you had an entire team of people mm-hmm. up there mm-hmm. supporting that. And you're looking at how do I empower more people to take this on exactly. and carry it forward? So it was this model of, it takes the, uh, teamwork to make the dream work mm-hmm. and we're better together. That's right. This is, this is, <laughs> this is our tandem preaching that those phrases carry a lot mm-hmm. of gospel water um, mm-hmm. to us. And I think we saw that. I think yeah. you, you, you looked at any one of the plenary sessions. Um, you looked at any one of the times there were people up on that stage. And what you saw was a collaboration of people. And um, one of the things that we were intentional about that we got good favorable response to from all kind of people from every spectrum of the EPC is that we had younger people. Mm-hmm. We had men, we had women, we had people of different ethnic backgrounds, mm-hmm. ruling elders, teaching elders, small church pastors, middle size, large, like that just the full breath, even just in the preaching, right? Mm-hmm. We had, we had a lot of, of diversity in terms of the representation of the EPC from a city church to a country church to a, I was um, really blessed. And someone came up to me and said, man, if this assembly showed me one thing is it's that we have a deep bench. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, it's all of our people coming from various different contexts, hearing the same thing to apply in their context in a way that was suitable. So like when Mike Moses uh, was the first one to kind of get up and going to give the talk uh, in addition to Tom Ricks, what I found was a lot of times people won't think about how it's helpful when you're trying to be a multiplying church, how to embed that in the ecclesiology. And that is to have to appoint a committee or commission in order for the, for, for the efforts that they want to do that are missional which, which you and Bob Gorman always emphasize that our polity ought to be missional. This is an example he used for churches who are like, how can I get my ruling elders to see this? How can I get them to really be a part of this? And when he put that at the forefront of, here's how you can apply and put this in your, in your hands. Make a committee or commission that's going to be a multiplying committee or commission of your church that's going to plant churches after you are even there. Two of numerous takeaways from from Mike Moses' talk. One is, I thought he was real practical. Very. He's, he, he landed it 
on, on here's the steps you can take, mm-hmm. right? And if you haven't watched Mike's talk, you need to go back and watch that because real practical ways that you can kind of step into that reality. Because yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people don't know if they're not, they don't have that DNA. They don't really know where to go with it. And I thought he did a great job of Excellent saying, look, job. just take this step, mm-hmm. take this step, do these things. But the other thing I thought was so fascinating, and we hope for this, right, was I saw people from the other gospel priorities resonating. Yes. Like, so for example, when Mike talked about multiplication, the world outreach people practically jump out of their skin because yes. you know, they're like, yes, this is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of world outreach people come up and say, they're talking about the same stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I do think that is one of the takeaways is I yeah. had people come up to me say, I see how this all fits together. Yes. And I see how it all gets after the great commission, That's right. which is our mission. And I think if, if the lights came on, that's, that's in organizational leadership terms, that's called alignment. Yes. If you have missional alignment, then it empowers an organization. Absolutely. So, and to your point, that idea of our gospel priorities working, it's not like they, they've never been there. We've always called them strategic priorities. They've been there, but they've been doing their own things. Right. And now one of the things that we've been trying to encourage is these not be aspirational nor siloed, but that missional alignment allow those very things to have the light bulb go off in someone's mind that is in the field, that's planting churches, whether that's domestically or internationally. And in order to have a church plant that's going to exist long-term, it has to have principles of being healthy and not only being healthy, but it has to have effective biblical leaders. Well, and you had just as a a good example in the church health plenary, Mm -hmm. two of the major speakers or Mark V yes. and Thomas D, yes. who are both EPC World Outreach, Outreach. people. Yep. Yep. So you even had in that presentation that collaboration across mm-hmm. the different priorities, yep. working, together working together. Because the people in World Outreach know, as the people in Church Health know, as the church planners know, yes. as the EBL knows, yes. evangelism. Mm-hmm. is the first step in the disciple who makes disciples that's right. who make disciples. That's right. And that was, that's why it was important to have Gabriel DeGia and Julie Hawkins, who are both in World Outreach, on the panel discussion for effective biblical leadership. Because sometimes when we say pastor, we know what we're saying, but some people may not feel as if they carry the label pastor. But when you're shepherding God's people, you're an effective biblical leader. Whether you're in Jakarta, uh, whether you're in... Memphis, Tennessee, where I'm at. Right. So let's uh, let's look at some other parts of, of the General Assembly. Let's talk about worship for a mm-hmm. second. We opened and closed every day with worship. What was your takeaway and what did you hear from people in terms of our worship time together? Yeah, I think the worship really brought us together. I think there are times where I just was quiet and listened to everyone sing. And, you know, we know that everybody always has their own context in terms of where they came from, but I felt like it was a concerted effort by the worship team to draw and bring us together. And I thought that they did a great job in doing that, where you heard songs that you were familiar with, songs that you were not familiar with. What you seen most of all was Myron, who was leading us, had a real sincere heart in drawing us together by song, prayer, and even by the word of God. And each of our pre 
preachers. They were great. I felt like the way that you kind of helped tee them up throughout the last several months, there was just a unified thing throughout their sermons. You can see we're driving towards the same thing as well. So I thought that that was, uh, I thought that was great in terms of our worship. Let me, let me, people don't know that. We've never done that before. Oh, I, yeah. I tell people the story all the time that when I was the moderator of the 37th General Assembly, I was supposed to be preaching on Thursday. Actually, it was the 38th General Assembly because I was the outgoing moderator and I was mm-hmm. going to preach on Thursday. And Wednesday night, Ligon Duncan was preaching and he had my text and my my whole, like, mm. 80% of my message. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no, yes. I'm in trouble for the next day. And I thought to myself, if I'm ever in charge of selecting the preachers, yes. I'm going to coordinate this mm-hmm. so that they're all talking to each other. And we did that a little bit last year, but this year we took it to a whole new level where we had meetings with the preachers and we talked about flow and mm-hmm. where we were going to start, where we were going to end, how one message would kind of relate to the other. Now we didn't tell the pastors what to preach. They got yeah. to choose their own stuff, but they wanted to make sure a, they weren't stepping on somebody else's toes or stealing their thunder. Mm-hmm. B, that it was kind of coordinated and flowing and, and and related to one another. But then the final thing was we actually connected the preachers to the worship leaders at Cherry Hills, who are terrific collaborative partners, yes, by the way. Absolutely. Um, they had a lot of takeaways and a lot of things that changed, some things that we've done before, yes. even some things that I think a lot of folks have found meaningful in the past, yeah. you know, the Cherry Hill staff said, Hey, what would it be like if we tried this? Yeah. And uh, we always default to the host church when it comes mm-hmm. to stuff like that. And uh, they had some great suggestions that That's I think incredible. have gotten great response, but, but the pastors, the preachers got to interact with their worship team mm-hmm. and help to even construct the service itself yeah. so that it was complimentary to their message. We've never done that before. What Cherry Hills did was, like you said, we never done it before. They brought a whole lot in. They looped a ton in. And it just to shift gears just a little bit because a lot of times people don't understand that when we are being very intentional behind the scenes, uh, we're being intentional because we want to maintain something, and that's the ethos of the EPC. And I think that through uh, our plenaries, with the gospel priorities, even through our business, we want to maintain that unity, spirit of unity. So let me ask you, what, what were some of your takeaways from the business? Well, my thanks for asking. My first takeaway is something that might not be obvious to other people, right? Like you could go down through the ticket items and go, yeah. oh, you know, we approved an ad interim committee for reviewing our pastoral letter on domestic abuse, or we added mm-hmm. a task force to examine the book of discipline and mm-hmm. so forth. So I can mean, I could go down through the big ticket items, but one of the things that might not be evident to people, at least on the surface, is it's to your point about behind the scenes intentionality, mm-hmm. was uh, four of our eight standing committees had uh, actionable items, that is recommendations that were coming to the assembly. Those four actually started their committee meetings two weeks before Mm -hmm. with online Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, Rules of the Assembly 9.3 allows me to assign matters to a standing committee. And if we do, they can can meet ahead of time to get their Mm -hmm. work done. In fact, one of the committees, uh, the Standing Committee on Fraternal Relations, actually finished its work on the Zoom meeting. So they had a free hour on Wednesday afternoon, which I think they weren't (laughs) upset about. So it it was a new way of going about things, which was getting some of the business done before we arrived. But it points to, I think, something that is distinctive about the EPC, Michael. There are other denominations that come to General Assembly to hash out their business. Right. 
And much of their time is spent on debates and floor discussions. And there are obviously Presbyterians who really value that, mm-hmm. right? And that's, there's, I'm not saying that's good or that's bad. I'm just saying there are other denominations for whom when they have their national gathering, that is kind of their main focus. What we have consistently heard, not just in surveys, but responses over the years, is the EPC views itself as a family of churches. Mm-hmm. And when they come together, it's like a family reunion. I mean, you know, as well as I do, getting people out of that atrium, like, yeah. like they just want to fellowship. Yeah. They just want to hang out together. They love each other. They want to fellowship together and getting them to do some of the business is, is not, you know, there are some people that love that, Yeah, but the vast majority of people are there because they just want to be together and they really gravitate. The high response rate in all the years past for for surveys has been the what used to be the Leadership Institute, now the Gospel Priority Summit integrated throughout. So here's the thing. We do our heavy lifting starting in August and goes up to about May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you want to dig in, if you want to really contribute and make a difference, that's when we get our work done. The General yeah. Assembly meets all year. Yes. I mean, it has a one-time gathering, mm-hmm. but during the course of the year, the work of the General Assembly is carried out through our permanent committees, mm-hmm. our ministry teams, yeah. our staff, our presbyteries, yeah. our local churches. So if you want to contribute and really get in and, and knock it around around important things, mm-hmm. the time to do that is August through May. Absolutely. Because what happens is, those permanent committees and presbyteries bring their items to the General Assembly. And because our culture is one of trust, it's an ethos of trust, we say, oh, uh, the Ministerial Vocations Committee has thought deeply about this. For years even, has thought deeply about this. Or let me give you an example. The General Assembly in 2017 says you should consider uh, entering into a relationship with the Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians. And so the permanent committee taking its orders from the general assembly mm-hmm. begins to explore that. Yep. Right. Yep. COVID hits not able to be timely in the response, but now we're on the other side of COVID and now they come back and say, yep, we've looked at this. We recommend taking that next formal mm-hmm. step, but it's, it's the general assembly in 2017 said, explore this, the permit committee explored it. Mm-hmm. Then they bring it to the next general assembly but there's been a lot of work behind the scenes yeah. that goes into that. And at some point you say, well, I have to trust the fraternal relations permanent committee that they've done their homework on this. And that doesn't mean you don't answer questions right. and you don't get clarifications. That's, that's kind of the oversight thing that happens at GA that's good and right and proper, mm-hmm. but getting in and digging in and saying, well, I think we should have a relationship with, you know, some other group and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, then get your presbytery or the committee to send that to the general assembly. And then the permanent committee will do its work and then we'll come back again. But this is how our process works. I That's think right. behind the scenes, most of the, the heavy lifting of the business happened really before we got to GA. That's right. So when we get to GA, we're able to kind of confirm, affirm, oversee, yes. hold accountable, mm-hmm. those kind of things. And that leaves us space to really do the equipping yes. and the fellowship and the stuff that really gets what most people seem to want to be able to do. And, and I think it gets to something that you, you, you're you really belaboring now. It's the idea that we are working throughout the year. We're not working for a moment. 
And throughout the year, we're doing our work all together around right. the nation. And that's helpful because those that do want to know what's going on means they have to be involved, not just at General Assembly, but in their presbyteries, on being on permanent committees, et cetera. So I think that that's excellent. Any any other takeaways that you yeah, have? Yeah, so just a real quick list of some of the stuff that we accomplished. And there was there was like, I don't know, 21 different recommendations that came yep. from General Assembly. And I think um, some of them really significant. In fraternal relations, we voted to leave the World Council of Reformed Churches, mm-hmm. which is a very liberal ecumenical group that doesn't align with the values of the EPC. We also voted to step into a fraternal relationship with our brothers and sisters at the Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians. Those are the two biggies that we did in fraternal. Overtures and resolutions dealt with two constitutional matters. One was to remove a small paragraph in G17-5, which was kind of an obscure passage. And the problem was surfaced by our Presbytery stated clerk over this idea of are we actually requiring an audit of our churches? And it's not our culture to mandate such things. We might say that's a really wise idea. We encourage this. But it was not only mandated, which was weird, but it was mandated that it be done through the deacons, which was super (laughs) weird. Uh, We think a, a leftover from a former constitution of the PCUS that maybe made its way into our constitution years ago. So we cleaned up some of that. There's some other language that we cleaned up. We added a a clarification to the beginning of our book of discipline. We created a task force to examine the book of discipline. We created an ad interim committee, as I mentioned earlier, to be able to look at the question of our pastoral letter on domestic abuse. So I think those are some of the big ticket items that I would take away. Um, I would encourage people because, you know, we did a great job of not only live streaming, but recording a lot of these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so I think you want to go to epc.org slash GA 2023 recordings. And there you can watch the worship services, the plenary sessions. In fact, I really encourage people to consider looking at Thursday night down in the gym over mm-hmm. dinner, our gospel priorities dinner, I did some vision casting. It's what I call disciples who make disciples who make disciples. What would it be for the EPC to be a disciple making movement? And uh, I encourage people who weren't there to go back and watch that at epc.org GA 2023 recordings. You'll be able to see that. But before we remember, that's that's for all of the people that were in the uh, atrium. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. If you were out in the atrium having coffee and holding shop, and you weren't in there, you might want to go back and watch the EBL presentation, for example. Exactly. So I don't think we can finish this time, Michael, without talking about a couple of uh, amazing people who did some great things. Let's let's talk about moderator Joe Kim. What a great job he did. Joe did an excellent job. I mean, he came up there. It's not. You know, one of the things that you want to do is step up and moderate and make it seem make it seem like you know everything or got everything together. What Joe did was he made sure that we moved our business well. And D did an excellent job. And when he had a question, he relied on one of the two of us. And I think that that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It, Joe was himself. Yes. A, anybody knows Joe, you're like, okay, that was That's him. Joe. Yeah, he was being, uh, he's gracious and he's sweet, but he's a, he's thoughtful and effective yeah. and uh, pastoral. Yes. And there's so many, uh, he's one of the smartest guys. Like yes, you, you get absolutely. into a conversation with him and he will just have your brain cramping with his ability. <laughs> I mean, dude is super smart, but he, he was such a gifted leader. We also elected Victor Jones, who I think you and I are going to have a hard time wrestling oh down. I mean, he's- um, 
I think make we, a dry down of Mississippi. He was he was he was holding court everywhere I looked. Victor everywhere. was someplace holding court. Everybody <laughs> gathered around him like you ain't moderator yet. That's right. You know, but but Victor is going to be a great uh, add on for Joe and support for the national leadership team. I also think Rosemary Lukens is the outgoing oh, moderator. Yeah. Not only a great message, yes. but great leadership. Absolutely. She did a fantastic job. Yes. Brad Strait, the outgoing national leadership team chair, mm-hmm. provided leadership. He's really excited to be <laughs> going off the books right now. I felt like he had a going away party at his house. He for did a have a good. He threw himself was. a going that's away party. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so important, though, right? Because he had like probably a hundred uh, yes. pastors and their spouses over to his house because he lives right there. Yes. And that was just so sweet. People really, really love that. Uh, oh, one other thing that we did that's huge, and it's big because it's it's a load off of my plate, and it kind of relates to the assembly, the big mm-hmm. item we haven't yep. talked about yet. We voted to create a ninth permanent committee of the General Assembly for disaster yes. relief. And that's a biggie because I realized day one that we have a lot of things, whether it's wildfires in California, floods in Kentucky, tornadoes in the Midwest, hurricanes in Florida and the Gulf states. We have a lot of natural disasters and people mm-hmm. are always calling, wanting to be helpful. Of course, we focus on the local congregation, we support the presbyteries, but all of that has fallen on my plate. And mm-hmm. now creating this committee, which is going to be chaired by Whitney Alexander, it's the associate pastor of First Baton Rouge, who has a doctoral degree in disaster yes. relief. Um, so we, and how interesting that on the assembly that we created a permanent committee on disaster relief, mm-hmm. the big ticket item for this assembly was Thursday afternoon, literally a massive tornado went right over top of us. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Then building, a lot of people don't know, but the building next to, next to us uh, was a Christian school and the women held uh, a gathering in the room that it busted the windows out. The windows just busted out. It's crazy. Well, in, in our building, in Cherry Hills building, literally I was told that an HVAC unit was yes. picked up and carried over to the other side of the building. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, I mean, trees were gone. The patio was gone. There was water coming in. Mm-hmm. But it, what amazed me, Michael, is that all of our phones started going off, you know, that there was yes. a tornado warning, not a watch, but a warning. And everyone's looking like, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. And it took us about a minute to kind of get our bearings because the sanctuary's got this big, huge glass wall mm-hmm. and the atrium is a bigger glass wall. Yeah. You're like, where do we send people? So we were trying to get the coordinated with the Cherry Hill staff. And we actually made a motion to go into recess <laughs> as, as a tornado is hitting. It's like only Presbyterians would yes, do that, sir. right? Yes, sir. And, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, people went into bathrooms, they mm-hmm. went into hallways, they went into the, the one children's ministry place, the treehouse. Majority of us were in the basement. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy was almost instinctively in each one of those spaces, everybody started singing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the story that Zach, Zach told you? Yeah. So we're in the basement, right? And in, and I was in the basement and you know water's coming in the basement and we're down there and the Cherry Hill staff is like passing out bottles of water and candy and, mm-hmm. and everybody was in pretty good spirits. And then all of a sudden people started singing, holy, holy, holy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm sitting next to Zach Hicks, who's written the, the worship pastor, one of our leading thinkers. In fact, yeah. just did a seminar on, on, uh, on liturgy of Thomas Kramer and worship and all and the regulatory principle and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I said to Zach, I said, Zach, I said, why is it that in times of crisis people sing? Because they did it in the treehouse, they did it in the bathrooms, they yeah. did it in the hallways, different songs. Different song. And he said, well, he thought about it for a second. He's a thoughtful guy. And he said, well, he said, when you feel helpless, your heart reaches out to the one who can help. Mm, my goodness. You know, when you think about the Psalms, you know, where does my help come from? Yeah. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. I mean, and because it's from such a deep place, 
it comes out in song. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was interesting. In each one of the places, people were singing yes. as we were hiding from a tornado. <laughs> and then we came back and uh, we're kind of sitting there like, well, you know, it's not really safe to leave yet because all the EMTs mm-hmm. and fire trucks are out on the roads and trees are down and we're probably better helping the community if we just mm-hmm. stay put. So we're like, well, might as well finish our meeting. <laughs> so we came out of recess and finished our business meeting. And then the Cherry Hill staff, which was incredible all week, did this great job of taking the meal and stretching it mm. so that with smaller portions, we could all eat and people didn't have to leave and wow. go out. Yeah. Uh, we went down uh, to the gym and I gave that vision talk, which the gym was just absolutely packed. And then we came back and we closed out in worship. And so mm. Joe Kim is forever going to be the tornado moderator. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the fact I wasn't back to the room after the whole thing was over before Brian Smith, our director of communications had up in our merch store, a shirt. Uh, and the shirt has got like the Rocky mountains in the background and a tornado on it. And it says, I survived the 43rd general assembly. <laughs> and people are like, I'm buying one of those. I'm buying one of those. And I quick, quick shout out to the merch. Yeah. Quick shout out. To people the love the merch. Yeah. I was, I gotta admit, I was a little bit skeptical about the merch, but the, the young generation pushed for the merch. We got the merch and, and, and right now the best selling merch is the tornado shirt. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so if you're interested, uh, you can go to epc.org slash merchandise and you can buy socks, golf balls. Yo, I heard a whole session. Somebody's buying a whole session of some socks, some EPC socks. I understand. I'm going to be getting EPC socks for Father's Day next year. That's what I understand. But the tornado shirt's a big seller and you can yes. find that. And I'm going to declare that all benefits of the tornado shirts will go back to Cherry Hills Church to help them recoup some of the costs of all the things they have to uh, undertake after this tornado hit them. They were super gracious. Absolutely. I even offered to say, hey, let's take up an offering. They're like, no, no, let's take up the offering for pastors and spouses who need yeah. it. And they were completely deferential. They were complete, just such, uh, uh, Kurt Taylor, yeah. Roxanne, Chris, uh, Bronson, those guys, they, yes. they rocked it, man. They, they just rocked it. They did an incredible job. And I, I just want to give a shout out to that, that entire our staff, hospitality, just generosity, availability. I knew where every staff member was. I knew where I could ask for help if I needed to get somewhere. They did an incredible job. Shout out to, to Cherry Hills Community Church. So when we come to your backyard next summer in Memphis, you're going to have to bring it. Oh, absolutely. I know I know. Hope's going to take care of you. All Hope's right. Gonna take all care. Right. You're going to have barbecue all over the place. Oh, I love, um, me that. I love that. We're rolling out the red carpet for oh, you. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, in closing, Michael, any other final thoughts on the 43rd General Assembly as we wrap up? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for everybody that's come out and just in case you you want to say how do I continue to stay connected how do I continue to grow there are two things three things that I want to bring up to your attention one church planners if you're out there if you're just trying to figure out the EPC for me and I came and I saw what are y'all doing we have a national church planning retreat in October we want pastors and spouses we care for y'all we love you guys we're going to have a pastors and spouse retreat Annie Rose is help putting that together that's going to also be in Colorado, Glen Erie in October, and then small church pastors. Remember, we're going to have a summit, so please come out. That's going to be in November, and we're with our new fraternal partner, ECO, we're going to be doing that collaboratively. 76% of congregations in the EPC are under 200 members. Yes. We know that the challenges that they face 
um, require dedicated, focused resources. And by pulling together with ECO, I think we're going to be able to offer a summit that's going to be really meaningful and helpful, Mm -hmm. led by small church leaders or small church leaders, uh, because leading in a small church uh, coming out of this pandemic has got some unique challenges and uh, we're better together. Better together, baby. Amen. 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 All right, my friends. Well, that wraps up this special edition of In All Things, recapping the 43rd General Assembly of the EPC. And as we end, we end as we always do with the good word from God's word, because the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for in him, That is, in our Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him. Mm -hmm. And here's the one that I love, for him. him. Amen. He is before all things, and in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. For you see, he is the head of the body, the church. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, until the next time when we gather, I bid grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.